25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And we are coming to you all live on this Monday night. We're recording when we're supposed to. We're where we're supposed to be. Everything feels a little bit pure in the world. The Blue Jackets lost a hockey game yesterday. So everything really just feels like it's back into place. I'm feeling like everything is back to normal, Laura. How are you doing on this fabulous Monday? Uh, The first one of the... No, it's not. <laughs> it's the ninth. I was gonna say the first one of the new year, but it's, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. That was definitely the second. So, Laura, how are you doing on the second Monday of the new year? I'm good. It's the fr- well, if it helps, it's the first official Monday that I've been at my new job. So, yes, because you would have started on Tuesday, right? Like you started on mm-hmm. a Tuesday. Amazing. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I'm good. I had a good day at work and. Things are going well, and you and I talked about it when I was driving home, and all signs point to good things in this job, so yay positives. Yeah, we really, we love a good sign. We love things going well. We love being trained and onboarded the job. Really, you're in, like, the sweet spot. How long do you say you're still new at a job? Like, how long do you milk? Well, my boss wants me to say it for a year. Okay, that's my philosophy too. So imagine my devastation because I'm now over a year at Grand Valley, so I don't think I can say I'm new anymore, um, which is really yeah. hard for me to come to grips with. So, but that's okay. You're so good at your job, so that's really kind. Sometimes I don't feel like it, but I do appreciate that. I also celebrated today was the first ever first day of the winter semester that I got to be at school for. <laughs> And you might be, like, doing the math and being like, wow, like, you've been there for a year, though. How have you not done this before? Last year, at this time, I was locked away in COVID isolation. And so I actually missed the start of this, my first semester at Grand, uh, at Grand Valley. So, like, it was just, like, the weirdest start to any sort of academic situation that I've ever been a part of. And so uh, today was definitely not that. Today was busy and students were all around. And it feels really good to not be in that place a year later. Yes, it feels really great for neither one of us to have COVID, and um, which is awesome, and like positive things. We're going into 2023 with positive energy in some aspects of our lives, and I think that's really important, so. Yeah, what is it they always say, like, I know they do it with, not seasons, but isn't it? What month do they say in like a lion out like a lamb? What month is that? Is that May? March. March. Oh God, March is March is the worst month of the year, and nobody can tell me otherwise. However, okay, you can be offended, but you know exactly why I'm saying that. <laughs> I'm so sad. For everybody listening, Laura's birthday's in March, but my mom also died in March, so I feel like March is a touchy subject for me. <laughs> No, I understand. It's just I'm sad. It's also when Corinne's terrible ex-boyfriend left her and also when her dad tried to leave her on Earth. Okay, but like, also I was born. 
March was March is in like a lamb out like a lion. How about that? Let's let's like call for yeah. I was born in the on the second, so it's early. Right. So that's what I'm saying. We could do in like a lamb out like a lion. We can flip it. We can flip the saying that way. We appease everybody. Um, but I'm holding true. The back half of March, terrible month. I will give you that. Thank you. I I felt like you probably wouldn't argue. <laughs> I felt pretty solid in that one, but. Um, welcome in everybody. It's only four minutes into the show and I've already hurt Laura. So things are going really well. I'm, I'm doing that sooner rather than later in this episode, but that's okay. We're not arguing in this episode. So I had to find a different unique way to make it happen. That is true. <laughs> I don't think we're arguing at least. There's not really anything I think that we disagree on this week. So I feel like pretty, I feel like this is going to be a calm space for us. Yeah, no, based on like the out well not outside but like the fringe things we're planning to talk about i don't think we should argue our pre-production meeting that we have so meticulously every day yeah the like two seconds before you hit record yeah recently though i think i've been doing better at like calling and like having phone conversations about okay what are we going to talk about as opposed to just like throwing the shit in the fire and hoping for the best (laughs) that is true yes we we have tried to be a little bit more on top of things um yeah two years later we finally got to figure it out almost our birthday is next week almost our birthday it's really exciting times over here at subjectively speaking and uh it's mostly just exciting because we get to at least somewhat talk about a win this week on an episode and you know hopefully we'll have uh a couple of wins to talk about later in the week because we're back to our two episodes a week moment up until at the very latest, uh, the all-star break. So, or very earliest, I should say. Um, and so this feels good, Laura, obviously, obviously one and three is not great over the course of the four games that we're going to talk about here. Really the first two, I don't even know how much I want to talk about because it was just really, truly like everything that's been wrong with blue jackets hockey was kind of epitomized there with four goal deficits in both games, uh, you know, earlier in the week last week. And so I first opportunity to argue, Laura, do you have anything that you really feel like you need to, to get off your chest about those two games? No, I think that they were just a continuation of like the bad feels. Um, and I think that they were almost more frustrating, um, especially Ottawa. Like it just was frustrating that that's how we performed against them. And I mean, the capitals, I'm not, as like surprised that we played so poorly the first time around but um yeah there's just not really much to to say about those two well and that's the kind of game that you just like really don't want to have at home though like Mm -hmm. that's the thing about it right like the the whole idea is like if you're gonna lose bad lose on the road if you're yeah. going, if you're going to get your shit rocked, it has to be then because like I, the morale is different, right? Like if you're at home and you get your shit rocked six to two, like they did last Thursday, it's really hard, I think, in some ways to recover from that. But I mean, they did, uh, which was exciting. I mean, things were a little bit weird on Saturday with the one o'clock start, but ultimately, it ends up being one that the Blue Jackets will uh, take to the bank because they found a way, Laura, as they have in, in seasons past, to 
to get one over on the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, the team that when they played was leading the Metro Division. And I mean, I personally usually hate <laughs> watching Blue Jackets Canes games because they're usually like the worst kind of hockey to me. Like I usually hate them a lot, but this one I did not hate as much. Well, and like that's kind of I think one of the more frustrating things about how this season is going. It's because, like, the games that we've done really well make absolutely no sense. Like, like early on in the season when we had that great game against the Rangers, like, that didn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, like you just said, the Canes were the number one team in the Metropolitan when we played them the other night, and we won. Like... And in compare, and I know that we're not at a like a at a point being the thirty first team of the league, um, where we can say anything about a, another team being bad, but like the Canes got to feel some sort of way about the fact that we beat them, like, and such with like the Capitals yesterday. Like, no, we didn't win, but like we kept the Capitals who's typically a high scoring team to one goal and they got that goal in the first two minutes. And really, I mean, of a weird fluky goal that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Like, so not even really like any sort of like offensive prowess that like landed them where, where they ended up being. But, but yeah, I mean, you, you take a look at this game. I mean, like we mentioned multiple times here, this is a game where (laughs) you've got, the, the second worst team in the NHL standings-wise, and then uh, currently the second best team in the league standings-wise. And, I mean, this game ends up – how have we made it nine minutes and 45 seconds into this episode? Really, we should take a stand and wait until the 10.32 mark to say his name, mostly because I want to throw shade at the fact that that's as much as he got to play yesterday. Um, but really, I mean, this game ends up coming down to – uh, really the rookie phenom that is is the guy who wears number 86. And I'm going to keep not saying his name until 1032 because this is quite literally me uh, grandstanding. And I'm I'm quite literally uh, – this is my strike right now. But uh, – no, I feel 80- like we're in Congress. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get us out of here before then, I promise. <laughs> I promise. I did like Jeff and Jody saying that thing about uh, busy weekend in the Capitol um, because uh, – <laughs> Kirill Marchenko uh, netted his we made first, it. <laughs> netted his first NHL hat trick against the Canes on Saturday, which I initially was really excited because I remember in an episode not too long ago, Laura had made a prediction that Kirill Marchenko was going to get his first NHL hat trick, and for some reason in my brain, I thought she said before the All Star break. She said after the All Star break, but we got to give it to you still, Laura. For your for your foresight to know that Kromarchenko was not going to be kept from scoring his first NHL hat trick in his rookie season, he does it uh, with ease. Really, I mean, he's just so good, Laura. He he's found a way to really shine in this really dull part of the season for the Blue Jackets, and I mean, he does it all by himself, right? He's got a natural hat trick, only the seventh in Blue Jackets history, and uh, it's. I mean, there's just not much more else to say about just how incredible he has been in the last few weeks. Well, and I think one of the things I love the most about obviously him getting his hat trick and hat trick and me being half right about when he was going to get his hat trick um, was just how the team reacted to him 
getting the hat trick and supporting him getting the hat trick and like his reaction afterwards because he did the post-game interview because of course he was the number one star because not only did he score all three of the goals that we got in regulation but he also scored in the well quote-unquote scored in the shootout to keep us alive in that competition um but the game was ultimately won by kent johnson and a incredibly dirty goal um but we'll talk about that in a second but back to krill um his attitude just when he was talking with Jody was like, yeah, I I liked that I got three goals, but I like even more that I won with my team. And his just like genuine, you know, love for his teammates and this team and even like calling out the fifth line, like just loving that he was able to do this like in front of them and you know, you could see on the bench, like in particular, <laughs> Cole Cylinder just must be like the Russian whisperer because he not only is besties with Igor Chinnikov, but he now is like forming this budding, you know, bromance with uh, Kirill Marchenko. And his quote was really funny. Um <laughs> They asked him what Krill brings uh, to the team. And his first response was, not a lot of English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which I thought was what, hilarious. That's not what he, it's not in the list of uh, the things in his toolbox that he brings with him to uh, Blue Jackets locker room. But, but yeah, and I mean, the thing about this game is that like the Jackets were really outplayed. Like, <laughs> Like, that's the piece of this. And for, for a rookie to be the one that, that steps up and shines through, that's a big moment. And I, I want to say, was it – I think it was Antiranta in that. Um, mm. So it wasn't Pyotr Kotetkov, who has been really stellar for the Canes this season in his rookie season. But uh, so, I mean, obviously, like, that's something they take into effect but or into account, I should say. But overall, the Jackets, I mean – Kirill Marchenko is a story in this one, but so is Jonas Corbisalo. I mean, like, he was just, like, outstanding. I want to say that uh, I was looking today at the expected goals saved over expected in the NHL, like, as far as, like, rankings go. Jonas Corbisalo is 14th in the league at seven. He saved seven more. And in this game alone, I think he saved, like, two and a half over expected. Like, he mm-hmm. – um, or one and a half over expected, I should say. He was really just incredible. And so the Jackets really have favored him over the course of the last few weeks for good reason. And it, he showed it again on Saturday. Yeah, he, I mean, Corpy, yes, he let in three goals, obviously. And there was a bit of like, you know, we had a two goal lead and then the Canes just really came back in the second period, which is kind of a classic situation for the Blue Jackets. Like, really, if we could just not play the second period, I think we would be better off. Um, but I hear the NHL doesn't let you do that. So because, um, you know, why would they? But he just is really like finding himself again. And I think he feels really comfortable and really confident and Corby's always been kind of a super chill, calm guy. Um, but I do think there were moments in this season, and particularly when he was coming back immediately after the hip injury or the hip surgery, like he just didn't 
feel himself. And he, you could see that a little bit in his performance, but I think now that we're almost halfway through the season and he's been, you know, favored pretty heavily over the last couple of weeks. Like I do think that he's feeling much more like the Corpy that we, you know, have known and loved all of these years, but which is going to make the next couple of months even more difficult, depending on what they decide to do with Corpy. Um, but we also have another goaltender, but I don't know if you're done talking about the Canes game yet. I mean, <laughs> Laura Norman, everybody doing everything she can to make the show about Elvis Merzlikens. Um, yeah, I mean, I overall, it's just, it was one of those games that you, you find a way to win it. And it really truly did remind me of those games that like Torts will always like come out of the locker room and say like, find a way, find a way, find a way. And, you know, that was what this felt like. It felt like, hey, they found a way to win. And in a season where finding ways to win is just not really, I mean, like they found more ways to lose even like outside of just however many games they've won and lost, right? I mean, like, they've, like, shot themselves in the foot numerous times. But, no, this is a big win for the Jackets, and I think it is, even like, it's fascinating. <laughs> you texted me <laughs> the other night, and you said, and I quote, I didn't realize we only had 12 wins. Can you believe it? <laughs> To which I said, yes. Have we been watching the same hockey team? Like, I absolutely can believe we only have 12 wins through 39 games in the season. But I think the part about it that's, like, even more mind-boggling to me is, like, wins against Carolina, um, the Kings, who are a playoff team, Calgary, which looks like it could be a playoff team, Winnipeg, who has been one of the best teams in the Central, Florida, who has kind of fallen off a little bit here in the last few weeks, but that, or the season, I should say, in general. But then – you look at the other wins in this, like it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's making no sense as to the games they're winning and the games they're losing. They're getting absolutely, you know, curb stomped by the Buffalo Sabres and the Arizona Coyotes, but they're beating these teams. It just doesn't make sense. I think the pressure is just non-existent at this point. Well, and it's not, it's not that I, I don't believe that we've only won 12 games. Cause trust me, I've watched every single game this season and the pain is there. Like, the pain is there of having 25 losses and regulation. I just think it's it's crazy that in the, in the time, in the five years that I've been a fan, that, A, it's never been this bad, first of all. And to just think that we're this far, like, into it, and they've only won 12 times. Like, that, that to me is crazy. Like, because yeah, I mean- it almost feels like... I don't think this will be the case, but like, it almost feels like we might only win 20 games. I mean, hot take here, folks. (laughs) Blue Jackets only going to win 20 games. I think they'll win more than that. I mean, you. I think they will too, but like, it's just like the amount of time that it took to get the 12 wins that we have. They are currently to win 25 games. That is their. Okay. So I'm five off. (laughs) from this situation. Which is 20%. Like, that's, like, not a small margin. Yeah. <laughs> like, and a lot of wins, proportionately. True. But still. We've almost so, half of that five wins. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, it's – or double that just so far this season. Like, that's a lot of wins for this team. 
I mean, I want them to win more games. I just, it's perplexing to me and it's perplexing to everyone that we're in this position anyway, but like, it's almost to the point, like when we do win a game, it's like more shocking than when we lose a game. Like, Oh, un- undoubtedly we're at that point. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely more shocking when the team wins than loses. Well, and to also think of the fact that, like, we're now into the teens of how many home games we have left, and uh-huh. we've only seen them win at home. Like, you and I have only physically seen them win at home one time this season. Okay. And I'm thinking about, like, I'm going to a game next week, and I'm like, ooh, we may win. It's Anaheim. I don't know, though. Um, but then I think about, like, my birthday game, which is Seattle. I don't think we're winning that game. Yeah, we have 17 games left at home. So it's just kind of nerve-wracking. But I know, like, I also know that this it's getting worse before it gets better, but the better is going to be really great. Hold up. What? I'm doing that thing that I do sometimes where I get distracted and I start like having these other storylines in my head that I want to like confirm. Don't listen to me when I talk. Mm -hmm. No, I heard you. I heard you kind (laughs) of. No, it's more so that I'm looking, right? I just got done saying that there are only 17 games left at home this season, which means that they've played 22 of their first 39 at home or 21. And then the one in Finland counts as a home game. So that means that there are another 22 away game no i'm well there should right be now. 18 home games because they still haven't rescheduled buffalo oh good point i didn't count that when i counted the schedule are they gonna fucking do that like at this point i don't know you yelled at me when i said that they weren't going to <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh god i know you look at this you look at the schedule and it's just like so hard to find a time for either of these teams to play a game anyway so, looking at the Blue Jackets on the road this season is a hard thing to do. <laughs> because the Blue well, Jackets... Well, March, they're basically entirely on the road, except for, like, three games. Right. The Blue Jackets have won two games on the road. And ten games at home. <laughs> The Blue Jackets have, yeah, ten, they're 10 and whatever the breakdown is, overtime or shootout, losses be damned. They're 10 and 12 <laughs> at home, and they are 2 and 15 on the road. They're going to be doing a lot of the latter there for the rest of the season. The Blue Jackets only wins on the road come in New York, the five to one win that shocked everybody mm-hmm. and against Winnipeg at the beginning of December. Yes. That's it. They have lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row on the road. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's fucking bad i mean but we could also win the 18 games at home that we have left so so uh 
No, we won't. Uh, if you look at the, <laughs> the 22 that they've played at home already, <laughs> you would know that that's not true. I hope I'm wrong, obviously. I mean, every time you hear us criticize this team or say bad things about this team, please know that we're obviously hoping that this team is going to win. But we're also like getting to the point in our podcasting career where we're realists. And yeah, it did take we, Laura two years, but she's there now. It did. We, it we just two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We have learned to be realistic. And like me in particular, knowing much more about the game now since starting this show and like really trying to learn the ins and outs of it. Like, I, yes, I have become more realistic. Are there moments and days sometimes where I'm just like, you have to believe. And I, I miss the naive days where I was just like, oh, everything's magic and unicorns. Yes. But I also, like I just said, I know that it's getting worse before it gets better, but I do have full faith that the better is going to be so good. Like, I just, yeah. I know you raised your, I know you raised your ab- eyebrows like you were going to argue with me a little bit. About what? You looked like you didn't agree with me that it was going to be so good. Oh, no, it has to be. If, if it weren't for that part that I hold on to as a Blue Jackets fan, literally every day since I became a Blue Jackets fan, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to be a Blue Jackets fan. Like, you can't watch this team right now and enjoy it if you don't think about the fact that the future is going to be much better. Like, if you're watching this team and you're happy with it, but your mindset is that this is what this team is going to be like forever. You're sick. Yeah. Like you are foul, but we are not those people. Obviously we know it's going to pay off in the long run. And honestly, like this is like why I, I am happy that you're experiencing this at this point in your fandom, because I don't think I could ever overstate or understate. No, excuse me. I don't think I could ever overstate just how incredible my feeling was watching the Blue Jackets sweep the lightning because of all of the shit that I watched. Yeah. For you, right? I mean, you come into it and all of a sudden the Blue Jackets in your first year of being a fan, they're out here like almost beating Washington in the playoffs. And the next year they're like, you know what? We'll fuck around and find out and we'll beat Tampa. Obviously like that is great. And you enjoyed that just as much as I did, but you're going to have a different appreciation when this team finally wins a playoff series after watching what you've been watching for the last year and a half, two years. Like I'm, I'm pre-emotional about it. Which, like, if you've listened to our show for any amount of time, you're not surprised to hear Laura say that, but 100% same. like, think about just how cool that Stanley cup parade is going to be after this season. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, pre-weeping in the streets of Columbus like I just I know it's gonna happen and I know it's gonna make it worth it to go through this struggle and I like I'm not trying to be a homer I know that there's definitely things that we have to change people are gonna have to leave in order for that to happen and new people are gonna have to come in and you know, because there's still pieces that we're missing, but some of these pieces that we have already are so, like, I know that we are ignored a lot in the league, but, like, if you really look at it, like, some of our pieces are just so good that, you know, I I said it on the Caps and Chirps podcast, um, but, like, people are going to be amazed and like, we're going to be a hard team to play against. And 
we're gonna prove a lot of people wrong. And I'm sure that sounds homery, but like, I have faith that it's gonna happen. To be fair, we have to, or else we probably want to shut this podcast down. <laughs> because listen, for y'all that are here, you're loyal. But for the people who aren't here, they're not here because we're losing and uh, the numbers reflect it. So to those of you who are listening right now in these hard times, we love you and we appreciate you. Um, but you know what else we can look forward to? Like if you're if you're a Blue Jackets fan, hopefully you are a part of the 50% of people that are Blue Jackets fans that are also Bengals fans, which means that, folks, you're going to have a lot to look forward to this January. And, Laura, do you know what's going to make it even better this January? Um, that sports betting is legal in Ohio, and you can do it on DraftKings. You sure can. And, Laura, can I get a who day? Who day? Who do they think going to beat them Bengals, bitch? Nobody. But listen, guys, the NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers, you heard that right, and existing customers, could get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you're going to get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? I mean, for me, I love DraftKings. It's the only sports book that I use, and you better believe that when I'm putting money on my Bengals to beat the Ravens, you better believe that I'm doing it on DraftKings Sportsbook because it just doesn't get better than this, folks. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL game and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Which, sidebar. Yes. Fuck the NFL. <laughs> Okay. Like, fuck the NFL hard, right? Like, because I, we didn't talk about it on the show. I don't even know if it had happened when we recorded. I can't really remember. Um, no, it no, happened. We recorded yet. earlier in the day on Monday. We didn't record Monday night. Um, obviously, it goes without saying that, like, we are both so incredibly, like, thrilled, happy, elated, joyed that DeMar Hamlin is is doing well. Um, if you are like me and you're a Bengals fan and you're watching that game or if you're a football fan and you're watching that game, I mean, it was one of the scariest things you've ever seen in your life. And it was reminiscent of a lot of different sports tragedies that we've seen over the course of, of existence. It, honestly, like I was watching with my dad, he was talking about how it reminded him a lot of, um, you know, different like race car drivers, you know, passing away during a contest or during a race. And uh, this stuff has happened in hockey before too. And, and, you know, it's as horrifying as that is, but I mean, the NFL. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel, I feel so much more at peace saying this now, like knowing that DeMar Hamlin is going to be okay. And fuck, he might even play football again, but it's more so just, I cannot believe that the NFL like has handled the situation and not, not the injury and not, not his recovery, but the way to address the rest of the season, the way they've handled it in terms of originally, and thankfully the Bengals won this weekend. And so it's a moot point in some ways, 
the Bengals and the Ravens. So the Bengals were named the NFE or AFC North champions because of their win percentage. And in the NFL rule book, it says that if for any reason a game is canceled or whatever have you, that things shift to win, like your, your win percentage, kind of similar to um, what the AHL did last season when teams were playing different number of games, they use their points percentage to determine who was going to the playoffs or what have you. And so mm-hmm. if the Ravens would have won against the Bengals yesterday, the Bengals would have still had a better winning percentage. They would have been the AFC North champions, but a coin flip was going to determine whether or not they had home field advantage. If the Bengals would have lost that game at Paycor Stadium yesterday, they would have flipped a coin, and that would have decided the Bengals' fate in the playoffs if they're ever going to play at home or if they're going to go down to Baltimore. And um, that's Bush League. That's such amateur hour bullshit from the NFL, and I can't believe that I'm sitting here saying that the NFL for once – looks like a more piece of shit league than the NHL. Like that <laughs> never happens. Like, well, they were kind of pieces of shit from the get go with this situation. I mean, well, there's been conflicting. I don't want to dive too deep personally into that because there's been conflicting reports on whether or not the NFL is like, yeah, no, go ahead and warm up and play the game versus like, that's just usually what the protocol is. And so everybody just went into like, basically like muscle memory, but Nevertheless, they should have just been like, fuck it, cancel the game right away. Like, they shouldn't even let let there be concern or question about it. But anyway, (laughs) Um, fuck the NFL, go Bengals, who day, fuck the Ravens. Um, And the other piece, too, is in the second round, the Bengals' most likely opponent, unless the Bills get beat by the Dolphins in, in the wild card round, They'll play the Bills in Buffalo because the Bengals and Buffalo never finish their game. So, like, there's no, like, tie break there. There's no anything. Like, so if any game should be a coin flip, I'm just going to say that that one probably should have also been a coin flip, but I digress. So, anyway. So what you're really trying to say is we're very glad that he is out of the hospital, that he is breathing on his own. Yeah, I'm – yes, that is what I care the most about. The game honestly does not matter, but (laughs) I'm choosing to have emotions about the way that the NFL handled it. Um, The Bengals, the Bills, everybody who was involved on the ground, kudos, Roger Goodell and the NFL, what's going on? But yeah, so the Blue Jackets... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so can we talk about the Capitals game now, or yeah, are we, we still we, talking about the no, games? We, we can, we can. So, obviously, we played the Capitals last night, Sunday, a back-to-back, which, you know, is hard, especially when they're coming off of actually beating the Hurricanes and then immediately flying to D.C. to face the Capitals, who just kicked our butts four days earlier, or not even four days, three days earlier, um, so I don't think any of us had really high expectations for uh, this situation because we're traditionally, especially this season, not good in back-to-back situations. Uh, we're particularly not good against most teams. Um, and, you know, it was just a coin toss as to how this was going to to play out. And, like, shockingly enough, yes, we did not win. But... That was probably some of the best hockey that the Blue Jackets have played this entire season. To hold the Capitals to a one nothing lead 
after they scored their first goal in the first two minutes and to play the rest of the game, like holding them off as well as like out shooting the capitals, which is a rarity as well. And I'm not going to blow too much smoke up his ass because this is the first, like, this is just a, a glimmer, but Elvis had a really good game and the goal that went in, not really his fault. Yeah, Tim Bernie got his first NHL goal on that one. That was that was tough. But that game would have been 0-0 without that deflection. Like, it would have been one of the more boring games we've watched all season. But to your point, they played well. And, I mean, it's not even like – they did the things that you need to do to help a goaltender that's been shaky, right? Like, you limit the chances, you push and push and push – and you just don't give them opportunity. And the Jackets, I mean, like, they did that. Darcy Kemper was outstanding. And, I mean, to say that he stood on his head would be an understatement in this game. But you look, I mean, like, the Jackets per money puck expected goals 3.2 to Washington's 1.47, which also means that Elvis starting to chip away at his, I mean, really abysmal analytics season i mean like you can say what you want about the eye test but analytically he's been the worst goalie in the nhl and that's not hyperbole and so he starts to chip away at that a little bit he has a good game the team plays just such a shutdown style against this capitals team who like you mentioned earlier like when you have alexander ovechkin on your team you're going to score and you're going to score a lot they get tom wilson back in the lineup they get nicholas backstrom back in the lineup i mean the team has been doing what it's been doing this season without two of its top six forwards i mean They've finally and they've they've stopped the bleeding for themselves from earlier in the season. They figured out a way to stabilize, and now here they are, relatively healthy by comparison to earlier in the season. And that's what the Blue Jackets faced on Sunday, and they found a way to keep it competitive. And to your point, it's probably one of the better games they've played all season. And it sucks to not have a result on the other end of it because it's kind of the antithesis of what happened on Saturday, right? I mean, the Jackets didn't. I mean. They got beat by the Canes everywhere except for where it mattered. And here against the Capitals, they beat the Capitals everywhere except for where it mattered. <laughs> so yeah. very, very inverse situations of the games this weekend. Yeah. And it's definitely like it was a, a goaltender, like pretty big matchup yesterday. I mean, or on Sunday, Darcy Kemper, like you said, was just phenomenal. I mean, Patrick Line alone had eight shots on goal. Like, and the fact that, a Patrick Lyon shot didn't go in after eight attempts. Like that's how strong Darcy Kemper was playing for the Capitals. Like I hope that I don't know what they do in their game winning ceremony or whatever in the locker room, but like, I hope that he got whatever it is that they do um, because he's the reason why like they stayed in that game. And, you know, for a casual, a casual fan, like, it's going to still be frustrating. Like, that's 60 minutes of hockey that you watched where, like, there just wasn't the result that you wanted. Like, there just wasn't, like, all that effort and there just still wasn't a win. But you have to look at it. This season is all about finding the silver linings because you just have to. Like, or you're just going to be miserable the whole time. But, like, the true silver lining is, like, with the exception of those first two minutes of the first period, they 
played consistent. And even in those first two minutes, like, again, it was a stupid deflection off of Bernie that ended up behind Elvis. Like, they played, and I think that even, too, like, stepped up after that. They played a consistent 50 or 57 and a half minutes after that. And that is progress and growth. I'm not going to say that they're going to be able to continue like being consistent, but what I will say is like, there is a definite change that happened before the Carolina game and the uh, Washington game this weekend is that, and Lars made this very public that practice changed like and they were really pushed in practice and it was a hard practice. And honestly, if you're me or if I'm the Blue Jackets, like that's what you're fucking doing every single practice. Like if part of this is because things have gotten lackadaisical and like people aren't being pushed in non-competitive parts of this being a hockey player, then they need to fucking step it up in practice and like make them. And I'm not going to be the first person to say it, but um, you know, people have said sometimes they forget what a like honor and privilege it is to be in this league. And like having that like situation and circumstance, like there are thousands of other kids and people who grow up wishing that they can play in the NHL and only such a small percentage of people get to. So like, if that's what we're losing or the motivation to like, even if it's not to win games, it's just to be better as individuals and, you know, up your own games. If that's what we're missing, then like fucking up practices, like push them Like, we still have half of this season to go. There's no reason to give up entirely and, like, wave the white flag. So fucking push them in practice. And if that's the kind of results we're going to get after that, like, two solid games of, like, effort, then, yeah, that's exactly – if I'm Lars, that's exactly what I'm doing. That is my rant. Sure. Is it time for mine? Yes. Are you going to counteract me? Are we going to fight? No. Why the fuck did it take 39 games? That is a good question. Why did it take 39 games to up the intensity? This team has had stretch after stretch where they've looked dog shit. Why did it take 39 games for somebody somewhere in the locker room to be like, do you know what maybe could help? Practicing harder. Holy shit. Who came up with that idea? I mean, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Like, why have they not been practicing fully? And I know we heard rumblings early on in the season that practices weren't going as expected. But then why wasn't that the point, right? If I'm a coach and I've got a player making a comment, whether it's taken correctly or not, that insinuates that my practices are weak and that we're not practicing well. Well, you know what's happening the next time that y'all put on the pads and you come out to the ice for my practice? You're going to fucking regret every word that you said in that presser. There's no reason that this should have taken 39 games for the Blue Jackets and their coaching staff to start having practices that are intense. 
like we're in the NHL and we're using words like intense to describe a, a practice and we're like wow innovative <laughs> like what is that like I'm sorry but what is that and and Brad Larson like ah great man great great man I have just a litany of issues at this point with the the usage of players with us finally like stroking his ego to say like wow like great job brad like great way to intensify practices that really did a number i like (laughs) what like like that's the sticker that's the medal that we're passing out right now like i don't get it i don't get it and it's getting to the point where you've got a player we talked about a little bit earlier when i was being a petty bitch where we were talking about Kuro Marchenko only getting 1032 of ice time in a game where the Blue Jackets were struggling to find in the back of the net. They were struggling to find a way to solve Darcy Kemper. And you've got a player that just fucking netted three goals the night before, like 26 hours prior to y'all taking the ice in Washington. You've got a guy who just scored his first NHL hat trick. He's got eight goals in the short amount of time that he's been up with the major league team. And you're not going to give him more than 10 minutes on the fucking ice? Are you joking? Like, what is going on? Like, what is happening with the way that they're using Kirill Marchenko, Laura? It, it's more than just, like, what we said before about, like, let the kids play. Like, this is specifically hindering... No, this is affecting wins, like, at this point. Like, when you're right. not playing your best forwards, like, it's also... It's both and, but when it was... When if you were going to tell me that you were just doing it for wins and not to develop guys, I would maybe push back and say that that wasn't necessary. But when both are true, you have to play him. Like you have to play him. And I I care about seeing Emil Bemstrom figure it out. But take him off of the first line and put Kirill there and see what happens. Just do it. Like just see what happens. Right, because we're in a position where like we have the freedom at this point to do whatever like if you want to try something out on a line fucking try it out like we're the second to worst team in the league so like and you should have no high expectations that things are going to turn around but like that's that's freedom like that's freedom to try shit that's freedom to look at people's skill sets and see what can happen because i was i was weird i was pissed that Bemstrom was still on the top line last night in Washington, D.C., and Krill was still on the fourth line. Like, I don't, like, much like you, I am very frustrated because I don't understand how we we do this where he essentially wins the entire game the night before for us, like, is the only one other than Kent winning in overtime is the only one who scores any goals and is the only reason we won that game. And you just, you put him on a leash and like, yes, I'm sure that there's things that we probably don't know in the, in the backside of things, but like from what we can tell, Krill seems to have a pretty good attitude. He seems to be like really, you know, adjustable and like the team loves like his teammates love him like why are we punishing him and restricting his ice time when he's clearly doing everything that you're asking of everybody else yeah i mean to your point yes we don't know everything i know shocking the podcasters don't have insight to every single thing that's happening in the locker room 
and yet they're still making these harsh, rash, angry, and loud claims. Uh, why do you listen to a podcast? You know that that's what we're here to do. And we don't do it very often, so it's weird when we get a little, like, specifically me. I just, like, got done after I sat back and you started to talk. I was like, that was weird for me. Yeah, you went there. <laughs> I went there. Oh, my God. Woof. Okay. Um, I feel better now, though, a little bit. That's good. I start therapy on Friday. You do. And I'm very <laughs> proud. How much of the Blue Jackets are going to be involved in my therapy? Um, <laughs> hopefully none. I don't think they're that damaging. But yes. You can talk about how stressful I make your life in our business. I'm not too worried about that part. But yes, ultimately the Blue Jackets lose one nothing, And they have a lot of things to be proud of after that game against Washington. And we'll see if that all continues Tuesday, today, as you're listening, hopefully, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Here's hoping that uh, things stayed intense in practice. Let's hope not. But I don't know. They had the day off today. So, like, weaklings. Uh, <laughs> terrible. Oh, my God. A bunch of them went to Top Golf. So, not sure how that prepares you uh, for playing God. against the multi Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning. But. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm sure I'm sure the Lightning go over to Top Golf every once in a while themselves. But, but yeah, a couple of other things to note here uh, outside of just the games this week. The NHL announced during the uh, which drubbing of the Blue Jackets was it? It was the six to two loss that uh, they announced the NHL All Star team. Yes, the nationally televised. Of course, um, yeah, we didn't touch on that. Can we stop laying fucking eggs on national TV? The one win against Carolina last year, where we dog kicked them, like that doesn't suffice. Like that doesn't like make up for what's happening now, right? Yeah, I mean, we've been embarrassed nationally and internationally this year. So, like, I would just like to stop being on nationally televised televised games for the rest of the season, but. But yes, the NHL did announce the um, first 32 players for the All-Star game or All-Star weekend, um, which was one player from each team. And a shock to no one, Mr. Johnny Hockey himself will be representing the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, in Florida for All-Star weekend, which we're happy. Like, that sounds sarcastic. We're happy that Johnny is going to represent the blue jackets it's just there's no i mean who else i mean patrick line maybe but like johnny goodrell like it's his seventh all-star weekend for a reason so and he's gonna be in a blue jacket sweater so that's so exciting i know have they released the jerseys yet for that they have not i'm nervous i am also nervous because all-star weekend jerseys could like really make or break a situation yeah the last couple of years have been pretty okay i've actually been pretty content personally with the last couple of years but it's in florida and we know how floridians do so yes but we talked so congratulations to johnny very excited there is potential that another blue jacket could get voted in in the fan vote um and they were technically you were technically supposed to be able to vote for anyone well, the NHL put in like a little like disclaimer afterwards that you had to have started on the 23-man roster at the beginning of the season in order to count for All-Star Weekend because there were a bunch of people on Blue Jacket social media that were trying to vote for 
Emil Bemstrom uh, to be the other person to join Johnny at uh, All-Star Weekend, but you can no longer vote for him. So there were actually some uh, rules for that situation, but um, we were going to talk about um, if we did send another Blue Jacket to the All-Star Weekend, who we thought it would be. So each of us are going to pick a person. Yeah, we, we sure are. I mean, it's hard because when you talk about it in the context of the rest of the, the Metro, I don't think you can make a case <laughs> any other additional Blue Jacket should be on the roster. And really... But this I mean, is... This is a, just for fun. We, oh, we know it's probably not going to happen. Oh, it's not going to happen. Like, it's like, I'm not like letting that be up to like the probably. This is the dichotomy of Laura and I, where Laura is sometimes optimistic for the brand and I'm like realist. That's happening right now. The Blue Jackets are lucky that they have one player on their all-star get, on the all-star team uh, because of this for years past when, when they didn't have to take one player from each team. Like, I'm not even convinced that Johnny Goudreau would have been on it now. Of course, he's playing at over a point-per-game pace. It's just that the Metropolitan Division has just so many really, really great players that are not currently on the All-Star team because of, you know, uh, them taking a player from each team. But, I mean, that's hard, right, like, to consider it. The NHL used to do a – they used to do, like, a – it was, I don't even know if they did it regularly. All I know is that they did it the year that Steve Mason was a rookie. The year that Steve Mason was a rookie, they had a rookie versus like second year game. And it was mm. like, these players weren't necessarily like, I don't think Steve Mason was actually on the all-star team that year, but they did like this event, like on top of, you know, um, now I've got to look that up because I might be making that all the way up. But for that same reason, and also just, I mean, like looking at the fact that when you look at this team's points right now, um, Ken Johnson's tied for fourth on this team, and he's a rookie. He's got uh, he's got eight and ten so far. So I mean, he's playing at uh, 42, 41 point pace for the season. I mean, he wouldn't make the NHL All Star team, but when I look at this team right now, like he's the only other person I can think of. It would be Boone Jenner, but he's hurt. So obviously, like, he couldn't be named to the team anyway. So that it, Kent would probably be who I would name. Kent was going to be my honorable mention. And mine's kind of a little bit more, like, sentimental. But I would send Corpy because he didn't get to go the year that he was actually oh, an no, all-star. So I would like him to be able to go at least – because we his future is uncertain. At least to be able to go in a blue jacket sweater, um, like he was originally nominated to to do so. So I would send Corpy, but Kent would be my like um, honorable mention just because he has been doing well. <coughs> Sorry, he doesn't um, technically you know fit into what would qualify, but like Kent's got such a bright future, like. And to get to go with Johnny, like that would be s- such a moment for him. So correct. But Corpy's my pick, and you'll you'll take KJ. Now I'll say this: 
And I don't know that anybody would have ever guessed it because of the season that the Blue Jackets are having. But as of right now, this is the best season in terms of save percentage for Jonas Corposalo since he made his NHL debut in 2015-2016. During that season, he had a 920 save percentage, and he's currently sitting at a 913 save percentage this season. I mean, he's not... He's not playing poorly, and a 913 save percentage is, like, pretty pretty decent. Like, I'll pull up the NHL totals, so that way we can maybe look to see how that compares. But ultimately, like, he's technically got a better save percentage than the year he was named to the All-Star team. He had a 911 that year. And so I don't think your pick is as out of left field as it seems. The issue is, though, the Blue Jackets are giving up fucking – 40 shots a night and so when you're even 91 percent of the saves is still three four goals a night in most cases and ultimately his save i think his goals against is like a 310 but i mean that's more of a defensive stat when your save percentage is that good if you ask me Mm -hmm. so let's look here save percentage in the league and that's again another one of those silver lining like situations where even in such a terrible season, like there can still be positives. Um, And that's, that's what we have to focus on. I mean, there was people talking about Johnny a couple weeks ago, I think on ESPN talking about, you know, again, how crazy, but just being like his play really hasn't changed much from when he was in Calgary. Like he's still doing really well. So, and the same can be said for Corpy. So did you find the stats? I did, yeah. So as of right now, Linus Allmark is going to win the Vesna. Like, he's got a 938 save percentage. Like, he's been outstanding for the Bruins this year. I mean, that team is going to win the Stanley Cup, and I don't even blink an eye thinking that. But then you look at – you don't have to go very far down this list to get into some really big names. And when you look at their save percentage, it's not too drastically – far from Corpy. I mean, um, you know, 13th in the league right now is Igor Shosturkin, and he has a 9.16 compared to Corpy's 9.13. Vitek Venacek, who has been pretty solid for the Devils this year. I mean, he's, you know, especially when they were hot, he's got a 9.14. Logan Thompson, who has been a really great goal center for the the Golden Knights, is at 9.14. And then Jonas Corposalo is sitting there with Semyon Varlamov and Scott Wedge, or he's above Scott Wedgwood, Anton Forsberg. I mean, like he's above league average. Like that's for certain. He's 24th in the league. Uh, and I'll take that. Like he he's playing a lot better than his stats probably say in terms of goals allowed. So good one, Laura. I, I That is a realization that I hadn't even made. I didn't realize that he had a 913 save percentage so far this season. So kudos to you. Hopefully you all learned something from that as well. Laura, I have another question to ask you, another opinion question that we, yes. could, we could potentially get into a fight about. So the Blue Jackets announced uh, the theme of this year's Cannonball. For those who aren't familiar, the Cannonball is their chief philanthropy event uh, with all the proceeds benefiting the Columbus Blue Jackets Foundation, which then uh, goes out into the community and has different initiatives that they they tend to and they uh, explore and help uh, make progress in the Central Ohio community, whether that's on the ice or off. And so this year's theme, and I'm going to flip the order, is either diamonds and denim or denim and diamonds. I can't remember which one comes first. It's denim and diamonds. Denim and diamonds. They, they said, come on, alphabetical. So, Laura, what I'm asking you 
is which blue jacket is going to be the best dressed at the cannonball. And you can't say Patrick Line. Oh, then that's easy. Cause I wasn't going to say Patrick. Okay. Damn. Uh, let's be, let's uh, like, we also can't say Elvis Merzlikens. No. Those are the two players that always get credit for their outfits. It's a cop out. If you pick either or two of them. So I have to pick someone other than Elvis and Patty. Yep. Hmm. If you take mine, I'm going to lose it. Ooh, this one might be a little out of left field, but I feel like his fashion sense has gotten a little bit better. I'm going to go with Cole Cylinder. Motherfucker! Haha, <laughs> 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 you have to pick somebody else. No, I'm sticking with that because my reason is going to be better than yours. Oh, I'm just saying he's got a fancy pants girlfriend and she makes him dress better, so... Yeah, but you have to, I feel, in my heart of hearts, you have to pick a Canadian for this because of the homage to, like, the Canadian tuxedo. I feel like Cole is going to show up and just straight up denim everything. (laughs) Well, also mainly because, like, naturally when you say, like, you have to pick a Canadian, I would be like, well, Boone, clearly. But Boone's personality is so, like... He's not going to go all out. Shy. <laughs> like, I'm sure his fiance is going to be beautiful. Like, I'm sure she will very much so embrace either Dem- or, denim or diamonds. But Boone, like, if you've seen his DSW, like, little commercial thing where he's just like, I like neutral tones. Like, I don't like to make a statement even in my shoes. Like... He's just, and that's that's fine. He's an incredible player, great captain. He just is not a bold personality type. But look at that. We agree. Cole, outside of Elvis and Patrick Lane, Cole is going to be, I would like if Johnny would wear a bedazzled beanie, though. Oh, like a diamond-studded beanie? Yes. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. I mean, who knows? We'll see what, what happens. But I'm trying to think of other Blue Jackets that I think would potentially have good fits. I mean, I, as long as he's still a Blue Jacket, I am excited to see what Vladislav Gavrikov wears. Well, he will be because this the Cannonball is February 21st. Unless something comes together sooner. I mean, you're, you're playing with a little bit of fire getting closer and closer to the deadline. A little bit, but, you know. So, yes, it is February 21st. It's going to be at COSI. Um, and if you have the money, because it's not exactly cheap to go to the Cannonball, one day we will get there because the hold that this event has on us, one day we will go to the Cannonball. It's not this year because my life has been a disaster for the last year so it won't happen but someday anyway um on a similar note um would anybody buy shirts that said legalized tax fraud because that's <laughs> the potential merch idea that we have so let us know if you would buy a shirt that says legalized tax fraud and if that's or the a shirt that says you donkey <laughs> oh, that's really good yeah oh man i love johnny goodrow god i love johnny did you do you have another player that you think might eric gabranson might he's, he's just, got a, he's got a bit of personality though what did but what did jim harbaugh say about ryan day i have no idea 
Some people some people start on third and just think they hit a triple. Eric Branson just starts on third base because he, he just is born with it. That is true. So I don't know that I can give him full praise there. But anywho, <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I, I could see. I'm interested to see what, what Gavi does.